Good morning. Glad that you're all here this morning, especially thankful for our guests that have come our way. Appreciate you deciding to spend the morning with us. Hope that the worship is encouraging to you. Uh, we'd like to get to know who you are. If you'd fill out one of the cards in front of you, we'd appreciate that. And we also have lunch prepared for all of our guests. If you don't have other plans, we'd be happy to have you stay for that with us. Been given an order of worship as you came in and uh, announcements on the back for all of our members. Uh, one announcement that's not in there, I'm sure most of you have gotten it on the prayer chain, but uh, Laura Little is in need of our prayers. She's been having severe headaches for a few months and uh, finally went in Friday and uh, I'm not sure what's going on. She did have a severe reaction to some drugs they gave her while she was in there and that was... Uh, scary for a while, so she's having a hard time and uh, need to pray that the doctors can find what's wrong there. So keep Laura in your prayers. Let's pray before we begin our worship time this morning. Father in heaven, we approach you because of Jesus, our Savior. It's our intention this morning to ascribe to you the glory and strength that is due your name. We seek to worship you in the splendor of holiness. May our worship come from our hearts. May you receive it as worthy worship. Amen. Let me point out a couple of things before we begin our song service this morning. I think it will help us sing with the understanding also. I put uh, some of these notes in your handout, so if you want to look at the front of that, you can. First is the word hallelujah. We sing that a lot. It's in lots of songs. Uh, but rarely do we pause to think what we're really singing, perhaps. Hallelujah is a transliteration of some Hebrew words. I put a couple of options there that people most likely think it means. One is hallelujah, praise ye Jehovah, praise ye Yah. A uh, shortened form of a couple of words, Hallel, which is praise, and Yahweh, which is Jehovah God. It's a call to worship is what it is. It, it's an urging to praise God. When we sing that word, we're telling others to praise Jehovah. It's an encouragement uh, for all of us to praise Him. A number of the psalms begin with that little phrase, if you'll watch as you read through the psalms. It says, praise the Lord, right after the number. Psalm 111 is an example. It says, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the, that's the call to worship. And then it tells why. That's what the psalm is about. You praise Him with these words. Great are the works of the Lord, Psalm 111 says, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. That's why you praise the Lord. The second thing I want to point out is our fellow worshipers. Uh, we've talked about us as the family of God worshiping together. But song number three that we're going to sing first this morning, entitled Hallelujah, Praise Jehovah, it's Psalm 148 set to music, almost exactly. 
You can read Psalm 148 when you get home. But if you pay attention to that song as you go through it, you'll notice that it is calling, praise Jehovah, hallelujah, it's calling on all kinds of animals and inanimate objects, all kinds of things in nature. It's calling on them to praise God. Really? Did you ever stop and think about that? The Bible talks like that a lot. A number of places in the Bible give you that idea that all of creation praises God. Psalm 98, verse 7 through 8 says, Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. Isaiah 55:12 says the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Well, maybe that's just poetic. Maybe it's just the way the writers pictured nature praising God, but I think there may be more to it. I have that idea because in Luke chapter 19 Jesus was coming into Jerusalem on the triumphal entry, what we call Palm Sunday. In verse 37, it says, When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The Pharisees said, Man can't be praising you like you're some kind of God. Stop them. Don't, Don't let them say those things. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry. Even the stones will cry out. I think there's something about God. If you picture a God so great that everything he made praises him. Everything even he made can praise him. Then how much more should the crown of his creation the ones he loves, how much more should we praise him? Hallelujah this morning. David, come and lead us in this space. Our current series is entitled Worthy Worship. This year we're working on walking worthily and looking at a number of different ways to do that. And this series is specifically about our worship. Uh, Psalm 29 begins by saying, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. We've learned that all of life is worship in one sense, but uh, the Bible does speak of a certain time, and an event, a weekly assembly of the saints. Uh, We're in that time of worship now. Uh, And we're trying to work on making that time of worship more worthy in this series. 
Uh, so far, we've learned these things. It is about Him. The title of the lesson was ascribed to Him. It's about Him, not about what we like, not about what we want. Most of the arguments that all churches have about worship is about what we want. Uh, it's not about us. It's about Him. Secondly, we learned it's about them. The, the congregation worships together, so we consider each other. We discern the body of Christ here. Uh, we encourage each other. We lift up each other. We build each other up. And because of that, we, we don't do anything in worship to distract others and to keep them from having a, a, a powerful worship time. The last thing we learned was it is not right. Uh, the title of the sermon was, I Hate Your Worship, a direct quote from Jehovah God, believe it or not. Uh, he said that to the Israelites. He said, I hate your assemblies. And we talked about what that meant, and, and what it was was they were doing everything they were supposed to do, but their heart wasn't in it. Now, they would go, and they would do the things they were supposed to do, then they'd go home. Uh, and if that's all worship is to us, then it's just a rite, just a um, ritual that we go through. And God says he hates that kind of thing. Uh, we have to think when we worship. Uh, worship is not just doing the things and, that he approves of, and it's not just doing the things that we traditionally have done. In fact, we talked about that. Tradition is not always truth. Um, in fact, this morning, some of you are probably sitting there looking at the order of worship and saying, well, we, uh, we didn't have an elder's invocation. How can we start church without an elder getting up and invoking God's presence? That's a tradition. We haven't done that forever. In fact, I look back, we've been doing it for 13 years. And when we instituted it 13 years ago, some of you said, how can you do that? You can't put that in there. We've never done that before. I left it out on purpose this morning. Uh, we can worship without a lot of our traditions. It's about Him. It's about them. It's not just a right. Today, our title is, Then Sings My Soul. It is a response, is what I want you to learn today. Worship is a response. It's about Him. It's about them. It's not just a right, and it is a response. The reason we're talking about this is because lots of modern worship, let's call it, uh, violates all the things we've talked about. Lots of modern worship in a lot of places is about the worshipers. Uh, it's about what makes them feel good, not about discerning the body. In some places it is just a right, and a lot of places it is the first thing, it is the emotion. It's not a response. Well, we're going to talk about that and learn the order of worship. Uh, you see signs outside church buildings that say we have contemporary worship, we have blended worship, we have traditional worship. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day, and I was thinking we ought to put a sign out uh, for Northside that we have non-traditional worship here because of where worship has gone. Uh, ours is non-traditional compared to the rest of the world these days. I hope ours is worthy worship, but it's certainly different than a lot of places. Uh, this series, and especially this sermon, I think it's important for Northside. 
I think it has the potential to change Northside if we begin to think about what worship really is. I know it can make you different if you decide to take up the challenge of worshiping worthily. Now, I need you to only get one point today, so I want to illustrate it first. Uh, I want to illustrate with a human illustration. Now, I'm talking to you young people right now. You guys down here under 20 don't know much about history or you don't know a lot of the old folks here at church. I'm just going to ask you a question. Suppose I told you to honor this man. Suppose I told you to honor that man. How many of you know who that man is? Put your hand up, please. That's about right for the generation gap. A few of you know who he is. That's Mr. Gail Black, and he sits right over there. Mr. Gail sits over there. Now, if I told you to honor him as a group, could you do that? You could do that a little bit. You could do that in the sense that he's an elder and you respect your elders. The Bible says if you've got white hair, you deserve to be honored. Right? Okay? So you could respect him. You could honor him to that degree. You could call him Mr. Black. You could could do the things that you knew how to do. Now, those of you that knew him, two or three of you, do you know why you should honor him? I know one of you does. My, my grandson knows a little bit about Mr. Black's story, so I think you could honor him properly, Corbin. But suppose I tell you the rest of, the rest of you this. Suppose I tell you you should honor him because he was one of Patton's best. That book says it's a history of the 4th Armored Division in World War II, and Mr. Black commanded a tank crew in that war, in that division. His tank was blown up, spent 15 months in the hospital, and then returned to active duty. Stayed on active duty in his tank one time for four and a half months. No bed, no hot meals, no shower. At the end of the war, he had accumulated 20 medals or so, two Purple Hearts, a Bronze Star, and lots of others. Now, he would tell you he was just doing his job. He would tell you there were lots of others of the greatest generation who deserve honor, and he just happened to be in the place to do some special things. Now, I agree. There's lots of the greatest generation, lots of our number here, served in the military in different ways. Uh, Veterans Day was a week ago, a week and a half ago. Uh, I don't think, I wasn't here. I don't think we honored our veterans anyway. I'd like, I'd like to ask Mr. Black and all the rest of our military veterans, stand up, would you please? Let it serve. Let's honor them. Thank you for your service. Now, let me ask you young people again. I want to make sure you get this as just an illustration. When I ask you to honor him and you didn't know much about him, you couldn't honor him very well. You could 
say nice things, but you really couldn't honor him. The, the more you know about someone that is worthy, the more worthily you can honor them. The, and the more amazing the things are that you know about them, then the greater you can honor them. Now, apply that to God. If you don't know much about God, you can't honor Him very much. At the level you know about Him, very elementary perhaps, you can do that. And in Sunday school and little classes, you do that to some degree. But the more and more you learn, the more and more you can honor God. That's, that's what we've been talking about in this series. I want to make sure you understand that. And as I teach you the process this morning of really worshiping, I want you to remember that. Let's go to step one. This is the process for worshiping God. First, you've got to see God. Let me show you five or six pictures. Just enjoy them. All right, you've seen those things. I have no idea what you thought while you were seeing those things. Uh, This last one, here's a wood duck. I I could spend all day thinking about the the colors in a wood duck, the design in a wood duck. I think think it's one of the most beautiful creatures there is. And somebody tells me it just happens, I'll laugh at them. I can think about that for a long time, but the point is you just see things. Now, Psalm 19.1 says that nature declares the glory of God. Nature declares His handiwork. When you see things, you can begin to see something about God. Now, you don't necessarily have to see God in things. For instance, you can see a boy leaving a hospital... Or you can see a sign in a house, and it might not mean much to you. Our visitors don't get those last two slides. They don't know what that's about. Northsiders are starting to catch on to what we're talking about this morning. The seeing God is not just in seeing a tornado. It might be a sound, it might be a thought, it might be a memory, it might be a human event where you see God, you're confronted with His works somehow. When you see it, if you then think, you can go to step two. Step two is we think about God. Anything that brings you into a confrontation with God can cause you to begin to think about him. If you see a snowflake, you might just think, I'd like to build a snowman. Or it could cause your mind to jump to the fact that, you know, when snow falls and there's no wind, how beautiful that is and where that comes from. Or you might just look at a snowflake and see the stunning design that is in each and every one of the billions and gazillions of snowflakes. And you begin to think about God. 
You see a tornado, you think of his power. You see a sunset, you think of his goodness. You see a mountain, you think of his majesty. You see Josh leaving the hospital, and you realize that God is faithful. You realize that he is a provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. You you remember that Mary and Martha thought Jesus was late, but you know God is always on time. Those things come to your mind when you see a work of God. You know that he hears and answers prayer when you see this picture. And you see baby Callum coming home, and you think all of the things I just said, and you begin to think also that God is a sustaining God. I don't think I could do all the things that the Block families had to do the past few months. So separated and so apart and so unsure of what was going on and so many months in the hospital. But you see this picture and you know your mind thinks God does lift up his people on wings of eagles. That's who he is. He does enable us to do impossible things. You see, the family of God gathered at the table, and you realize, my precious Savior suffered pain and agony. He bore it all that I might live. You see, Thanksgiving dinner this week, and you think, God is so good. He's so good to me. You notice... It doesn't have to be just seeing a piece of nature or something. It can be in a scripture. It can be a song lyric. It can be a human event. We see something about God, and when we think about it, that's the cause. We see, we think, that's the cause. That's followed by the response. Step three, we worship God. Learn this order. This is important. When we see something of God, we think about God, then we are able to worship God. Remember our definition? Worship is to ascribe to God, to express something about Him, to proclaim what we realize about God. Now, it must be in our heart. But before it can be proclaimed, we have to see and think about God. In the assembly, that most often happens in song, when we proclaim something. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven with wisdom, power, and might. We say that after we have thought, after we realize that's who God is. Who can grasp His infinite wisdom, we say. His grace reaches me. He is good. The Lord is good and kind are all his ways. That old rugged cross made it possible for me to have a crown someday. Whatever happens in my life, it is well with my soul. Those are the things we proclaim once we've seen God and thought about him. Now, as we worship, 
Here's the final step. We arrive at step four. We begin to feel human emotion. We are human. God gave us emotions for some reason. Now, remember, we we talked about this a little bit. Everybody's different. We all get different personalities. And we all express our feelings differently. And on top of that, in the assembly, where we control our emotions, depending on the location and others around, we express them differently. So having said that, we still feel. What we see and think about makes us feel. Sometimes we feel gratitude. Sometimes joy. Sometimes exuberance. Sometimes awe. We feel love. We feel penitent. We feel praise. We feel wonder. Now, all of those are pretty nice things. It's not always joyful and fun feelings when we worship. You read this book. You find people who saw God. And you find out the reaction was they worshipped him. And then it says things like, he fell to his knees. It says they, like he worshipped him and he said, woe is me. You see things like he worshipped him and he fell prostrate on the ground. Sometimes the, the knowledge of God that you realize, that you have to proclaim to him, is overwhelming. Job, after he got all the news about his children and his land and his crops and his flocks and everything was gone, what's the Bible say? He worshipped him. He worshipped him. He said, God, it's up to you. It's up to you. He was heartbroken. He was devastated. He was flat on the ground, I'm sure, but he worshipped his God. So it's not always fun and uh, wonderful, joyful feelings. Now, let me add this to these four steps. Our human mind is an amazing thing. It can do all four of these almost at once. In fact, it can seem like simultaneously. It's not like we have to take the worship service and say, all right, from ten to from eleven to eleven ten, we're going to see God, and then at eleven ten, we're going to start thinking. At eleven twenty, we'll be able to worship. It's not the way it works. It happens all at once because our minds are amazing. It can happen all in one song. We we see a phrase. We sometimes we see the title of the song. And we begin to feel good already. That's one of my favorite songs. So we may start some feeling uh, simultaneously with beginning the song. But then when we see it stated in the song, when we say it, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It's the first line in that song. And when I hear that, I begin to think, that's right. I think... I've seen something about God. Now I think. That's right. I couldn't describe the love of God. I can't tell these 700 people about the love of God. I couldn't write a bulletin article. I couldn't write a book. I couldn't write a series of books that explain adequately the love of God. 
and it, as I begin to think that, then the song is helping me and I'm proclaiming it. I'm worshiping. I'm off to another thought. If that is the love of God is so great that I couldn't even explain it, then that explains how his erring child, he reconciled. And pardoned from his sin. I'm proclaiming that to God and to the body around me. And that thought that he pardoned me, that thought is so measureless and strong. That's so rich and pure. By the time I get to the third verse, by then I feel it completely. Partly because that's my favorite verse ever. It's a great poetry, but second, because it's truth. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? If I had that much ink and that much parchment. And were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? If everybody had a pen. To dip in that much ink and write on that much parchment about the love of God, you know what had happened? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Uh, nor, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That's the love of God. And, and I don't just see it and think it, I proclaim it and I feel it. That's the process. The cause is the seeing and the thinking. Here's the process. See and think about God. And then the response is to worship God and feel human emotion. Now, hopefully you've got the process figured out. Now, now some, let me give you some personal thoughts about how I think this applies in our modern age of modern worship. People have made the same mistake for thousands of years. The pagan worshipers in Paul's day made worship all about them. Now, I'll admit, they took it to an extreme. (laughs) They went to the temple on Friday night or whenever they went. They got drunk. They had sex with the temple prostitutes. They went in front of an idol of their God and they babbled for a while and they thought he understood that. And when they were done, they said, that's worship. I admit that's pretty extreme. But it's the same sin. The same problem. Worship was all about them. Made them feel good. They just had a stone idol there that made them feel good. They didn't have a real God to see. Many churches today have gone to feel good worship. Now... The problem is not feeling good. I'm all in favor of feeling good. I just told you that's part of the process. But the problem is the order. Modern worship usually starts by manufacturing a feeling. you got to understand the difference. Modern worship starts by manufacturing a feeling. Modern worship defines number four as worship. If we felt good, we had good worship. 
if you never learn anything, you can't go through the process. If you don't learn much about God, if you don't know much about God, you can't adequately praise Him. You can't get to that step. And some people try to manufacture it. We hire worship leaders, a spiritual engineer, to kind of manipulate the feelings and put things in the proper order where everybody feels good. We put a praise team up front to model worship for us. I'm not saying anything any of these things are wrong. The Bible doesn't say anything about even one song leader. I'm just telling you about the effect. When we do these things, and I've been to places that do it, and I see the effects, I think. A, a praise team up front models for the congregation what worship emotion is supposed to look like. That's what they do. They may help lead singing, too. But that's one of the purposes. And that's dangerous ground, folks. Because that's starting with number four. That's starting, we are going to define adequate feeling. We're going to show you what it looks like. Now, I've been to some really feel-good worship times. I've been to Pentecostal tent meetings. I've been to seminars where it was an interdenominational thing. They were teaching something I wanted to know, and part of the process was a <clears throat> you know full band laser light show time of worship. I've been there. It always kind of tickles me because I see how everybody's been trained. They all do the same thing. It's part of the process. It's their process. They start with number four. And they've all learned that when you flash the lasers just right, and when you raise the tempo of the songs, and when you raise the volume to the right level, then everybody gets into it. Start swaying, raise their hands. They know exactly what to do, exactly what to look like. They all perform their emotions. And at the end of it, when the lights are turned back on and everybody leaves, they say, boy, that was a worship service. Now, we were worshiping. No, you weren't. You were emoting. Because you didn't go through the process. Now, I'm not saying none of them worship. I'm just saying, if that's all you ever do, nobody ever learns anything about God. If you don't do that, you can't go to step two. While I'm here, talk about instruments just a moment. You notice in chapter in verse or sermon one, we didn't find that in the New Testament as something God accepted or expects. Instruments can create emotion also. Very easily. That's a part of the world. That's the way it works. Beautiful instrumental music creates emotions. I believe they can create emotions. I believe they inhibit worship. It's my personal belief, because I've been both kinds. I've been, I went to Bible study fellowship one year, learned about Romans, and part of the operation was that all the men there sang some songs before we went to class. It was in a building that had a piano on one side and an organ on the other side. One day the 
guy would play the organ, and the next day he'd play the instrument or the piano, and he played it so loud. I couldn't think about the words. And nobody else there knew the words. Because they were raised up just being entertained and not having to learn the words. So I tried, I focused, I still sang the words. It was harder. And I mentioned that once before, and people would come up and say, You mean you worshiped with the instrument? No, I worshiped in spite of the instrument. It was harder to worship. Because worship is seeing God and thinking about Him and proclaiming it. That's hard to do when there's a lot of other stuff going on. Hope you have the process. Let me tell you about two storms, then we'll close. A few years ago, Cindy and I lived out in the country. We had a pond beside our, behind our house. I was home alone one night. I was out on the deck watching out over the pond, and it was toward the end of the day. The daylight was behind me coming over the house from the west, and I saw the skies begin to darken. I saw a thunderstorm begin to roll in. It was a very powerful one. It rolled in very quickly. The lightning began to flash. And the thunder began to clap closer and closer to when the lightning flashed. The storm was coming right directly over me. And as it got over me and I saw all of this, I realized this is a power beyond me. This is an awesome power. In this little storm on the radar spot. But it's unbelievable. It's beyond my imagination. And and I am a tiny little spot on, on this little piece of earth that I have here. And it's raining so hard and it is so wild out here. I should go inside. But if I went inside and he cared to one snap of his fingers... And a lightning bolt could vaporize me inside or outside. So I stayed and watched. And as it grew and it got more powerful and more lightning began to flash, I began to worship. I proclaimed, oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, I hear the thunder roll. And it wasn't just one song. They were all coming. And soon the lightning and the thunder were so close together that I could direct them. I could see the lightning, and then I'd know where the thunder would be. And I'd say, pow, over there. (laughs) Pow, over there. And I directed that, and then pretty soon I was directing the angels. All his angels' praise proclaimed. I worshiped that cloud, crowd, storm clear to the east. And some people would say, was that worthy worship? Right then and right there it was. Wouldn't be suitable here. No, my, my, my pride and my conscience would, would keep me from emoting that way. I would consider others within this group. 
But then when I was alone and God was right there and I thought of all that he had done and does, I, I did it all at the top of my lungs and, and in perfect pitch, I'll mind you. <laughs> and it was worthy worship. The title of our lesson is, Then Sings My Soul. It's taken from a song written about another storm in 1880. A Swedish minister named Carl Boburg was out walking near his home, and the same thing happened to him. A sudden rainstorm appeared over him and just began to pound the earth with rain. It was so heavy that he took cover. He found a barn nearby and ran inside. And he, he said for 15 minutes he stood there and watched the rain just blast the earth. And then it cleared up. He returned home. He sat down and he wrote a poem. After this lesson, as we'll sing the song in a moment, I think you'll understand why this is a classic worship song. Why it embodies what we've been talking about. He wrote down his first thought. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And then after the storm, he told his friends it was like a new world out there. The sun was out. There was water dripping off all of the leaves. The birds were out and singing again. And he said, then I had my second thought. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, and hear the birds swing so sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook, and feel the gentle breeze. And then he said, thinking my mind jumped to a third thought, that what that God, that God with that much power and that much beautiful creation, what that God has done for me. And he wrote that down. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly buried. He bled and died to take away my sin. And then his mind jumped to the coming time of the ultimate perfect praise. And he closed it by saying, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, oh, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. You know the song, you know how we sing it, and you know that after every one of those events, after every one of those thoughts, Boberg said, then sings my soul. That's the process. We see, we think about God, then sings my soul, then we can worship God. Remember the process. I believe that following the process of Bible worship will lead to worthy worship. Let's close our time by singing that great old hymn. If you have a spiritual need, our elders will be at the front to meet you. Let's stand and sing. Brother Dave. <laughs>